The Tower, Episode 21. The Titans TV Show, Episode 4. Hey everyone, this is your host Peter, catching up on the Titans TV show with my thoughts on episode 4, Doom Patrol. Now, I'm recording this after episodes 4 and 5 of the Titans TV show have already been released, but this episode is only on episode 4. I have yet to watch episode 5, so if you're up to date, don't tell me what happens. I'm sure I'll see episode 5 soon enough. And then I'll release another Tower podcast on that particular installment. So, Titans Episode 4, entitled Doom Patrol. See? See what I mean? When this show opens up into the larger DC universe, this show really sings. So in response to my thoughts on Episode 3, Zed Ram on Twitter said, I have a feeling you'll definitely dig the Doom Patrol episode. And yep, that is spot on. What a fun episode. It's probably the first time I found myself just sitting back and watching and actively enjoying the show for what it was. And yes, you know, it is because of the Doom Patrol and all of their quirks, but surprisingly, I have to say, it's also because of Beast Boy and uh, of his portrayal by Ryan Potter. It's our first real extended look at the last of the main four Titans characters, and bravo! I'm okay with this incarnation and with the way Ryan Potter uh, plays Beast Boy. He's fun, he's brash, he, he feels young. He's modernized, right? But that's understandable. Uh, I like that he has a thing for classic comedy movies. The Gar Logan in comics was a C-list movie star or movie actor, I guess I, guess I should say, or TV actor. Um, he works well with, with Rachel. She works well with him. I feel like she's finally settling in nicely with this episode because she has someone her age, well, sort of, to bounce off of. Um, we get enough of his origin, we get enough of the larger sense that he's uh, a character who has experience with heroes, or at least with people who have powers, which is a nice connection with Rachel. Um, now, sometimes his body is a little stiff in the physical acting sense, but I imagine that's going to open up with time. You know, a character named Beast Boy should feel a little more fluid. Uh, in the comics, they can get away with it because he was transforming into various animals, um, you know, sometimes page to page. And in here, he's sort of just stuck between himself or a tiger, at least for now. So, yeah, I feel like physically, I think he will definitely open up. Um, it's probably the first of the four live-action Titans that worked for me right away without having to overlook anything, without having to excuse anything. Uh, 
the actor, the betrayal of the character, you know, this, this one worked for me the entire time. And I think that really says something. So it's been noted that this episode is clearly an episode zero or a backdoor pilot for the Doom Patrol TV show that they're working on. And I don't think I'm really mad at that either. I, I feel like if they're using the Titans TV show to pilot other shows or test other characters, that makes sense. Arrow did it for Flash. The Titan show is certainly a, a starting point for a new wave of DC shows. So to make the jump from here to other brands, yeah, I, I'm fine with that, you know? And at the very least, it'll take my mind off of the things that I'm not liking about the show. Um, so one of the other things that this type of episode does, what it what it shows, is that the other Titans characters tend to be sidelined when we open up into the larger universe, just like in the Hawk and Dove episode. And again, I'm not sure that's a bad thing for me. Um, the Rachel storyline, while being the main thrust for this season, is it really all that interesting? I mean, you know, last episode we discovered that Corey has this true detective style conspiracy storage unit, but is it really that deep? Is the prophecy really that deep? What other stuff are we going to learn from the prophecy, from the language, from the constellations that we saw, other than that Trigon wants to come to Earth, right? We sort of got that last episode anyway. Um, so if we're going to play in the larger DC universe, and that means sidelining the main story, I'm okay with that. Um, last episode I asked, who is this show for, and who is a dedicated DCU app for? This episode is the answer, I feel. This is what the DCU app should be. The shows on this on this uh, platform should be big, they should be bold, they can be wonky, you know? Let's get away from the DC universe that we already know. I, I, I was sort of thinking about it, and I kind of said, okay... The movies feature the Trinity fairly strongly, especially now that we have a Wonder Woman movie, right? And they're starting to open up into other Justice League members. I feel like the CW TV shows are also about the Justice League characters, or at least the Justice League adjacent characters. Outside of uh, John Constantine, we haven't really dipped deeper. Um... Although I guess you could say Legends has. But I feel like this app could riff off what they're doing with Legends and really open up. Dig right into that who's who and go beyond the big three, go beyond the big seven, um, go beyond the satellite era Justice League and dip into every other aspect of the DC Universe that we love. And clearly they're going to do that. The Titans, the Doom Patrol... Uh, swamp thing, but dig deeper with these with these episodes. I'm all for it. Okay, here are more specific thoughts that I jotted down as I watched the episode. We open with Changeling's origin. I a Changeling, Beast Boy. I wrote Changeling, uh, Beast Boy's origin, and it's pretty good. Uh, maybe maybe because he's a new player to the show, or it's very true to the original comic book version, more or less. And it also feels like a comic book come to life, right? This is what I was talking about before. I want larger-than-life kind of sequences. Yes, it's grounded in some reality because it's live action, but 
you know, don't make it mundane as a detective station, right? Uh, I'm glad they opened it up. And we learned that two years ago in the Congo, there was some kind of outbreak or accident and patients are being left to die. So in walks the chief, although you don't really know that it's him, and he discovers that Gar is alive, and he has some kind of green scaling on his arms. Uh, So the chief puts uh, some green serum into his neck, and out comes the green skin and the canine teeth. Um, It was really good. It was quick. It was, again, it was more or less comic book accurate, although it wasn't the chief that gave Garfield his powers it was his own father but I felt like this cold open led nicely to the title sequence and was interesting just was very interesting all right then we continue with Rachel she's running away from the convent that she blew up Uh, she bumps into Garfield Logan in the woods he transforms slowly in this episode I'm wondering if maybe that'll change as it goes on you know it's almost even kind of painful Um, we learn that when he transforms, he's naked, so that'll be a thing. And they come across some hunters who killed a deer, uh, or who shot a deer, and Rachel somehow possibly heals the deer, although she doesn't know because she has walked away already. And it made me wonder, is this a manifestation of her powers, her empathic powers, like in the comic books, where she can take pain and transfer to herself, Or is it because Trigon is inside of her and now she has this kind of power? Um, And I'm not certain that when the deer was healed, you saw the bullet wound kind of uh, mesh together, mesh back together. Could it be that Trigon is in the deer and that's why he's going to get antlers later? (laughs) Like his comic book version? I don't know. I think that's stretching it a little bit, but... Uh, so something about her powers has either changed or opened up or that she's discovered um, since the first three episodes. Also, notice the green paw print on the arm of Beast Boy's sleeve, which I thought was nice. Uh, clearly, Dick and Corey are searching for her. Uh, they come across the convent. The nun that we met last episode is constantly saying there's no stopping it now. So... Something larger is going on with Rachel. Garfield takes Rachel to his home. Uh, As I said before, he's a geek. He's into classic movies. He's into video games. He's into collectibles. Not unlike his, you know, comic book version. I almost even wondered, was he playing Battletoads? Some kind of version of Battletoads on the video game? Um, And then we meet the Doom Patrol one by one. And they are pretty great. They're like a weird mashup of, you know, some bizarre superhero Adams family or the Munsters. Uh, we have Cliff, Robot Man. He's big. He's bumbling. He is completely lost within his metal form. He can't even eat, and he needs to hear from others what it's like to eat, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the eyes are pretty great. I'm a little disappointed that his mouth doesn't move. I don't think it moved at all when he talked, and that needs to change, I think, for the TV show. Uh, we meet Larry Trainer, the negative man, as he's dancing it up while he cooks. That was fun. We meet Rita, the actress, uh, who is also a giant glob. We learn her origin briefly in this episode later on. 
And we get clues, too. A lot of these characters drop clues about other characters. For example, Larry, uh, while he's cooking, says, and even with Rita, there's plenty of food. So clearly, you know, something is going on that she needs to intake a lot of food, and we see that when she finally joins the dinner party. The actress that played her reminded me of Leslie Ann Warren from Clue, and I really like her look. Uh, It's very Silver Age. Her attitude is very Silver Age. Uh, Negative Man, his look is straight out of Grant Morrison. Robot Man is out of Grant Morrison's um, Doom Patrol. So, you know, all just really enjoyable. The way they use the music to introduce the characters, such fun. Like, just really a lot of fun. And then we get to meet the chief. uh, And we learn a bunch about him. And through him, we learn a bunch about the Doom Patrol. So, for instance, he calls the Doom Patrol the conventionally challenged. Or I should say he calls people like them. We also learn that he has just learned how to walk again. And... He is called the greatest doctor in the world, and we're shown that he has two sides. He has a darkness, uh, and he has a a side where he wants to help people, but it's twisted. It's a little bit twisted, or a lot of it twisted. In fact, Robot Man says to Gar, uh, when Gar says, I thought he could help Rachel, Robot Man says, you hate her that much? Which is kind of showing, you know... While the chief may have helped all of these characters, there's a there's a downside to it, right? They they're turned basically into freaks. So I thought that was some really good characterization going on. The dinner was a lot of fun. It felt like it was a a weird tea party from Alice in Wonderland, uh, and I felt like this is really where Rachel shined, the actress who plays her, all through her amazement and the way she was bouncing off some of the other characters and. Uh, It was just a nice showcase of the Doom Patrol and the way they fit with Gar's history. And the whole dinner, like I said, it was was like I wrote through the broken looking glass. It was just really kind of fun. Uh, This is where we see Rita, and she comes down and she says, I was just putting myself together. You know, another little nod to what's going on with her. And then the chief arrives, and he has a new patient. Now, originally, I didn't catch the name when he first said it, and because of the powers that she did have, which seemed to be ice-related or, or, um, at the very least, uh, heat manipulation, um, originally I thought it was going to be Celsius. I thought it was going to be the character that eventually becomes his wife. But it's not. It's a character named Shailene Lau, who is another character named Fever. And this is from the Doom Patrol run that was written by John Arcudi and drawn by Tanning Huat. So, uh, and that was from around 2001. I don't know if this character is going to show up in the Doom Patrol TV series, but um, it is definitely a nod to the larger Doom Patrol universe. And then again, just like she did with the deer, Rachel goes to help her. And I'm still wondering, is this a side effect of the possession Or is she just learning to accept her powers and try to use them in different ways? So then we get a scene where they're now eating dessert, another round-the-table kind of scene. And this is where we get a little bit more of the chief's motivations. So he says, I help people that others have given up on. I go beyond what medical science is willing to do because I believe in hope. 
Think of this as an incubation chamber, an experiment. I will push medical science forward. What, what happens here will one day save millions of lives. But sure, like, but at the cost of what, right? Because he's taking, taking the humanity away from some of these people. Um, he turns to Rachel and in a nod to the team name that they eventually will have, he says that all of these people, that they were all doomed and I helped them. So that was kind of nice. It didn't make me wonder, you know, the way that they, they are beholden to the chief and the way that they all want to be there, regardless of the way that he has this darkness to him. It's almost like, I guess it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. Not quite like that, but I wonder if there's another condition, another psychological condition that when somebody helps you, you're beholden to them, even if the help is not the help that you should have received. So it would be kind of interesting to delve deeper into that. Um, and we also learned from the chief that Garfield received his disease from a rare primate. And that is also very comic book accurate. I want to say that he got a disease that was spread and there was this green monkey that was immune to the, to the disease. So that's why his father injected him with the serum, but then it turned him into the monkey, which I think was what they wanted to do. But then the side effect was that he could turn into all kind of other animals. Or the way that Garfield explains it in the TV show is that he can unzip his DNA. So very cool. A lot of information flying if you didn't catch it. Um, we go back to Corey and Dick as they're researching or as they're chasing after Rachel and they come across the hunter and Dick is trying to get information, but he loses it on the hunter and his violent side comes out again. Uh, Starfire Corey comments on it and says, look, you may have gone through some bad shit, but no one manages alone. So his temper, his violent mood swings, whatever it is that is going on with him is at least being addressed and we'll see how it plays out later. The information that the hunter gives to them is he says that Rachel and Gar were walking in the direction of the old Calder house, and that is Chief's name, Niles Calder. But then he also says it's on Danny Street, which is a nice Easter egg to the Grant Morrison universe, uh, Danny the Street. So I thought that was kind of fun. They're mixing in a lot of Silver Age stuff. They're mixing in a lot of the Vertigo stuff uh, and also some later Incarnation uh, Doom Patrol stuff too. So good on them. So then Rachel, even though she's hesitant, agrees to be helped by the Chief as well, but she can tell that it's not right. We get a little bit of a standoff between Garfield and the Chief because Gar also knows that this isn't right. She doesn't need the kind of help that the Chief wants to give. And this is where his darkness comes out. Um, but then eventually Raven, you know, loses it. Uh, whatever is possessing her comes out, manages to smash the chief all over the, his lab. His back is broken once again. And when Corey and Dick finally catch up to the Calder mansion, they see Rachel and she looks like she's about ready to either open a portal or step into the portal. Um, or maybe somebody's ready to step out of the portal. I don't know. But Dick walks up to her and says, you know, I was wrong. I shouldn't have left you alone. We're going to do this together. I'm not going to leave you. And in a way resolves some of the issues that was, uh, some of the issues that were going on between the two of them. 
and manages to save the day and all of that swirling black energy disappears and the portal disappears. So somehow it feels like you got to keep Raven in check or else she could totally give over to whatever it is that has started to take possession. So by the end of the episode, the Titans are leaving and the Doom Patrol are watching them go and Robot Man says to Gar, you need to go with them. They have no choice but to sort of stay together because of what they have become. They can't exist in the outside world, but he can. He is still human looking, after all, even with the green hair. And he gives him a hug, and especially the hug that he gave Robot Man, I thought was really nice and touching. Uh, You know, that characterization that Gar grew up as a mascot to these characters but then is going to become a family member to the Titans is really important. And his association with Robot Man is probably why he had such a strong friendship with Cyborg in the comics, because, you know, they're both robots, both metal, whatever. So just that little scene, that little hug, again, really nice characterization. I mean, this episode was written by Jeff John, so he knows these characters inside and out, and I thought that was great. The Titans drive off, the Doom Patrol are left behind, and they are going to care for the Chief, who is back in a wheelchair again. He's another doomed person, right? And in a way, that whole scene of them saying goodbye felt like some kind of bizarre Wizard of Oz thing. If you thought of, you know, Robot Man being the Tin Man and... You can think of Larry Trainer as some kind of scarecrow because of the bandages. And Rita Farr is Dorothy, I guess. And they're watching the lion or the tiger leave, right? I thought, you know, it was just a little thing when I was watching it kind of reminded me of that moment from the original Wizard of Oz. And again, clearly we're going to meet all of these characters. We're going to meet the chief again in the Doom Patrol TV show. And this might set the chief onto a whole new way of thinking because of what is what had uh, happened with uh, Rachel. So as I said in the beginning, really fun episode, really a strong episode for as quirky as it is. And it's one that speaks to, you know, the fans of DC. This I imagine this is probably a hard episode if you if you've never read comics before, you're looking at all these characters. How do they interrelate and what do they mean? But if you know what the DC universe is, you know what they mean to the Titans universe, you know what the Doom Patrol means to the Silver Age or to comics in general. I mean, they are an early Silver Age team. It's not like they were a a, a a more modern team, um, they should exist early in the DC universe, you know? So I thought that was great. Now, my hope for the Doom Doom Patrol show, now that I've watched this episode, number one, as I said before, Robot Robot Man's mouth has to move. It looks really weird that it doesn't move. Um, We know that the Chief, at least in the last reports that I read, The Chief is going to be played by Timothy Dalton, not by the actor that was played in this episode. So I don't know how they're going to explain that. I hope it captures the zaniness of the Silver Age, but yet, you know, try to really capture the heart of the Grant Morrison run and just go full on surreal and quirky, just like they did in this episode. Use music, use modern memes, get some quirky themes going, 
you know, think of the production, the TV production of it. Take chances. Be risky. Ah, I can't wait. And also, I think they also hit another Easter egg early on in Beast Boy's origin when all of the doctors are leaving the patients behind before the chief even walks in. There's a main female doctor, and I swear she spoke French. Uh, I think she said, let's go in French. And when you look at the credits, it does say French doctor Ariane Leza, I guess is how you say her name, the actress's name. But my larger thought is, wait a minute, a French doctor? Could that be Madame Rouge from the old Doom Patrol series? You know, a member of the Brotherhood of, uh, what are they called? The Brotherhood of Evil, right? Um, that would be great. She has a connection to the chief, and that's like a real, you know, you could miss that Easter egg. If you didn't hear her say, let's go in French, you probably missed it. But I'm hoping that's the case. And we'll eventually find out in the Doom Patrol TV series. All right, so that's it. Episode four, probably my favorite episode to date of the Titans TV show. Um, the one with the most potential, the one that really makes me think that this is the direction they should go in terms of um, the larger DCU app. And um, it feels like the show is hitting, uh, one episode is the larger Titans mystery with Rachel, the other episode is a DC Universe episode, and then they go back to Rachel, and then they go back to the DC Universe. And I feel like that's probably what's going to happen, um, at least for the next two episodes. And I have another theory about all of the episodes, but I want to wait until maybe one or two more come out so that I can see if it is really coming to play. Okay, so as I said, I will go watch episode five and then record an episode on that. But by all means, let me know what you thought of this episode, Peter at the dailyrios.com, or follow me on Twitter, or leave a comment on the website. As I said, please do not talk about episode five just yet. I haven't seen it. Um, subscribe to the Daily Rios uh, on iTunes or subscribe to the Tower on iTunes as well. This has been the Tower episode 21. We will talk to you soon. Bye.